Women are all over the place failing at habits. And instead of blaming the methods, they're blaming themselves. So what we have to do is just start by learning that this is a fact, that you were honestly, truly set up to fail with habit formation methods. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband in Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband in Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the Husband Law Podcast. I am so excited you are here this week, and I am so excited to introduce you to this week's guest, Monica Packer, who is amazing. She has worked through perfectionism to be able to show up imperfectly in her life, and she shares with us today the joy and strength that that has created for her and the connection to herself and to her family. She also has gone through and come up with a framework that is a game changer when you are trying to navigate new habits, new goals, new intentions in your life, and it will help you be able to actually make those habits stick while still being able to give yourself grace and still have a life that it gets thrown on its head sometimes with kids, with family, with work, with all of the things. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Monica Packer today. And real quick, before I do, I wanted to let you know that I am hosting a live in-person workshop in August. It is going to be the only one this year. It's happening in Boise, Idaho. So if you are like, yes, I want to come, maybe a retreat or something isn't for you, come to the one-day workshop. It is going to be amazing. There's also an option to sign up for a VIP brunch the next day where we will dive into coaching in real life. I would love, love, love to have you there. I'd love to be able to give you a hug and for you to feel in connection with the women that are there, that are learning, that are growing, that are seeking for more after crisis in their relationships. So if you have had a partner come out or you have experienced some form of crisis in your relationship, this workshop is going to be a game changer to help you start moving forward and figure out what it is you want after that crisis. And that is whether you stay in the relationship or whether you leave, whatever it is, we are going to be diving into that at this workshop in Boise, Idaho on August 24th. I hope to see you there. Early bird pricing ends August 1st, so go get your ticket now. And also, there is limited seating. So please go take advantage of that and enjoy today's guest, Monica Packer. Cannot wait for you guys to learn from her. Monica, I am so excited to be chatting with you again. I've been on your podcast. You were so gracious to host me on there. And I am so excited to now, on another level, connect you to my audience. I know we kind of connect, but it's more powerful when I get you here. So thank you so much for being here today and willing to share with us. Oh, it means so much to me. And your episode was such a popular one for many reasons, but I'm glad I get to return the favor hopefully here today. It's always a gift back and forth. (laughs) Love when we can support each other and support the people that follow us. Like that's why we're here doing what we do to help women. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, Monica, I know you have lots of stories Uh, But tell us more about you and why you started your podcast and all the things. Tell us, tell us your journey to get here. Yeah. So my passion with personal development outside of perfectionism began seven years ago when I realized that I was lost and stuck in the beautiful life I always wanted. And I got to this point where I was showing up to my relationships really 
my responsibilities, which are largely relationship driven as most women's are, even if they work outside of the home. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time, and I was showing up to those relationships and responsibilities as someone who was not me, like most decidedly not Monica. And I had a few series of those kind of lows that helped me see like something needs to change because this is not who I am and it's not who I want to be. And it's not who I want these kids to remember me as too. And I had to kind of pinpoint what was going on for me. And it just was like, I don't know who I am. I'm not myself. And I don't need my life to look different. I just needed to feel different. And most importantly, I wanted to feel like myself again. And I actually started to work with a great therapist. And she startled me one day by pointing out that I was a perfectionist. And she startled me because I most decidedly was not a perfectionist in my own mind at that time. And I knew that because for the first 20 years of my life, I was absolutely the stereotypical perfectionist very high achieving, very goal oriented, very type A, but it was mostly me trying to be type A, honestly. Like I knew the metrics I had to hit in order to have the achievements that I wanted to have, even down to my appearance. And I crashed and burned as a 20 year old. Um, I had multiple eating disorders, big mental health crises, all that. The next 10 years is when I went to what I now know and what I talk to my community a lot about is underachieving perfectionist. That's what I was. And no matter what, it was the same. I I was stuck on the sidelines of my life at that point for those 10 years because of the same fear I had as an overachieving perfectionist. And that was the fear of failure, fear of not being enough, fear of not measuring up. And either end of the spectrum and anywhere in between, it's the same. Your, Your worth is reliant on your outcomes, what people can see. That's where you stake your identity. So as the overachieving perfectionist who hit rock bottom, I was depressed anxious, really struggling mentally, and felt completely empty inside. Then at the rock bottom as an underachieving perfectionist, exact same thing. And that's when I realized I'm like, something has to change in order for me to be myself, which means I have to find a way to progress outside of this perfectionism, this all or nothing pendulum swing I've been on my entire life. I have to be able to give myself permission to fail, to be messy, to be mediocre. And that's what started everything. I just made a list of things I was going to be mediocre at. And so many weird things happened. One of the weirdest being I got more confidence, weirdly, as I was failing through all my list. I got more confidence. I got a stronger sense of self. I I brought more joy to my life. My life didn't have to change, but I began to feel more and more and more like myself. The light came back into my life. So that was one big part of it. But the other big part was just the online part of it too. And that's where my podcast uh, started later that year of that ground experiment. And now it's become an almost seven year long experiment of leaning into progress outside of perfectionism. It's changed every part of my life, but not because my life looks super different. It just, again, it, it feels completely different. Yeah. I love how you said in there, you didn't want your life to look different. You just needed it to feel different. And that's so powerful because most of us, beat ourselves up because we have this life we love and, or that we wanted and that we feel like we should love, but it's like, but we're not content. And so we we beat ourselves up. Well, I should be content. I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't want something different. I shouldn't whatever. And we can still have this life, but make a shift in how it feels. What a gift that you now share with us how to do that. Like, that's so cool. Yeah. And like I said, it has changed everything starting with just the inside out 
over time, things have changed a little on my outside, but the heart of it is like, I'm still the primary caretaker of my kids. And I actually have two more kids since then. And, you know, things like that, but we'll, we'll talk more about the outside. I'm sure (laughs) as part of this episode, but I just want to also say, yes, sometimes things do need to change on the outside, but that takes time. And if you're ready to feel like yourself now, before the changes happen, that is possible for every single one of us. So cool. I also really love that you talk about it just being about progress. Like that speaks to that desire of being a perfectionist. But no, we're just here to make a little bit of progress. One step at a time, one little moment at a time. So awesome. I know that small shift makes a big difference for sure. It does. It makes a huge difference. Okay. So today I brought you on because you talk about how creating habits is different for women than it is for men. And this is coming out, I feel like all over the place of research and studies have been done for men, like medical and, and emotional and self-help, like it's all focused around men. And so now in the last, I don't know how many years it's coming out that women need to do things differently. Yeah. Shocker. (laughs) But like we are now owning that and embracing that. And so I would love if you could talk about some of the things you've learned. Um, like one of the things that you love talking about most about what this means of how women do habits differently. I first want to say that I had no intention of getting into habits nor to become passionate about this part of my life. I got to a plateau with my personal development where, you know, after that year of an experiment of being mediocre at things, and I got that more sense of I'm coming back. I know better who I am. I had the identity piece to the puzzle better. And I was still developing that too. And I had more of the fulfillment piece as well. I knew better how to feel like myself, to feel full of myself every day. That's what fulfillment is to me, being full of yourself in a different way. Right. And, (laughs) but I reached this plateau and it was because the day-to-day life that I was living was not supporting those two things because I wasn't sleeping well. I was always exercising well, but that was because it was a giant list of shoulds. I'm actually working on the reverse, like exercising less in my life. And that's not a humble brag. I promise you it's a problem. Um, So I had to get to the point where things had to change in my day-to-day circumstances, starting with me better supporting myself. And I love to learn. And that was one of the ways I was really trying to focus on feeling like myself every day was reading more. And I got into reading all these number one bestsellers for habit formation. And I don't want to list them a lot because I don't want to like dog on them. They're, they're great. And I, I actually teach a whole class on this called the number one reason why women must do habits differently. I'm actually going to just share a lot of stuff from that class today. And I normally don't, I normally like keep it under lock and key, but not today. I, I really am excited. I get to share more openly about this, but the thing about it is I call these, these, um, these writers to these habit formation books and, and leaders of habit formation too, good men with great methods, GMGMs. They are good men and their methods are great. But the biggest problem is that they are men. And I'll just briefly share why that matters. For me, it started with a personal, I guess, journey of sorts of trying the habit methods I was learning, like the most up-to-date methods. Here's what I can do. Here are the prescriptions I can follow. And then I'll have these habits. And I kept failing at them. And because I was in that zone of it's okay, mistakes are okay, I kept trying. But then the real kicker came on later when I was working with coaching women on their identity and fulfillment. And they similarly hit those same plateaus of personal development. So we had to work on habit formation. And 
being like the, the coach that wants to use the scientific knowledge out there in the world and what's most up to date, we were using the new habit formation methods. But over and over again, my clients kept failing too. And that's when I had to like take a step back because I was like, this isn't me and it's not them. It has to be something bigger. It must be these methods. And that's what I read a couple other books that are really helpful. One is Fair Play by Eve Rotsky. And the other is Invisible Women by Caroline Criado Perez. If you want to get really angry, read those books. (laughs) But if you also want to get really informed, read those books. The nutshell is that most of the research in the world is, is done on men, even for medication. Even your iPhone is designed for a man's hand. Okay. That's Criada Perez. That's her book. Irotsky's book is about invisible labor. The reason those two things work hand in hand with habit formation is that one, these habit formation books that we have been reading and been in the zeitgeist for the last couple of years, maybe five or 10 years, they are written by men. But they're also, when you look at their books, they are largely researched on men. The stories they share are largely men and their own experience is men too. You, you, you know this with bold logic, right? Like you start with your own experience. So did they. Why that matters is because those experiences, both for the author and the people that they're studying and, the, and the, that they've researched too, is their lives are largely absent of invisible labor that women deal with every day. Now, why this matters for us is because this is for every woman. I like want to snap with that. Every woman has invisible labor, whether or not you have children or not, whether or not you work in the home or outside of the home whether or not you are a young sassy thing or an old retired sassy thing, no matter what, women largely carry the load of invisible labor. There's tons of research on this. And again, I love to learn. So I've learned a lot, but the nutshell of this is it is a $7.3 trillion a year industry if we were to put a dollar to it. And the worst part of that dollar figure that the New York Times came up with is that it's based on an hourly wage of $7.50 an hour. Oh my gosh. Even, and this was, this this study was done in 2019 or 2020. So it wasn't that long ago. And even the number they put to it was so undervalued. So this, these are our lives. That means we as women have a lot of things that men don't deal with. And this is even the best of men. And I always have to say that because I happen to be married to one of them. Even for the best of men, they don't, typically carry the same amount of labor that is not seen or valued by society. Largely, we're talking about you remembering that the dryer vent needs to be emptied out. And soon we're talking about Timmy is going to need a new pair of shoes and carrying that thought around with you all the time. We're talking about you knowing what condiments need to be replaced and when, and what preferences people have in your home and also doing the actual labor every day to keep a household and community and workforce afloat. Who plans your work parties? That's us. So because of that, we want things to change. It's going to take time. For right now, the high majority women all across the world carry the high majority of invisible labor. That means we have less consistency with our schedules and our time. We are constantly putting out fires. An example of this is um, a couple months ago, my my neighbor who's deaf, I hired a a babysitter for the summer to come like three hours a day. So not not a ton of time, right? And moms get things done. She came, I was like running up to my office. I'm like, I have an hour to bust through through this thing. And I get a text from my neighbor who's deaf. She's having a problem with a rat. She wants me to come over and talk to her. And I spent my entire time, 
my entire work time helping her through this issue. It wasn't even my children. It's my community. That meant I had less consistency in my schedule to rely on. I had more interruptions. I have to be more flexible. And there's many other reasons to that, but that really is it. You have Mm -hmm. less time, less predictability, less consistency to depend on, a lot more interruptions, and a lot less support. Most women have that. Again, I feel like I'm lucky because I do have more support, but that's actually one of the things that has changed over time. It wasn't always this way. Yeah. So I'm giving the whole class. I'm so sorry, but all I'll say right now, and I'll end it and let you talk and ask what follow-up questions you have is why this matters is because we have been trying to push a square peg and a round hole with habit formation. Like women are all over the place failing at habits. And instead of blaming the methods, they're blaming themselves. So what we have to do is just start by learning that this is a fact that you were honestly, truly set up to fail with habit formation methods because they were designed for men who do have, tend to have more predictable, predictable schedules. Sorry, I'm getting so excited. I'm like falling over my words. They have more consistency. They have less interruptions. They also have more energy because they're not spending as much time carrying the mental and emotional and physical loads that are often unseen, undervalued, and underpaid by society. So there you go. Oh man. I first of all, love that you get so passionate about it because that (laughs) means that's when you know you're doing the right thing. Like that's how I get, I get all lit up and it's, it's so cool to see women doing that. And even just the title of that book, Invisible Woman just gets me. And I, like, it gets me teared up every time because that is how we so often feel is completely invisible. And uh, I think of this scene, this is so random. It's in Sing, where the mom pig is like, just automates everything and nobody notices that she's not there. I remember watching that and just bawling because yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel that. I had the same experience, <laughs> just so you know. I'm glad. I told Matt that and he's like, what? And I'm like, again, you don't carry this. You don't understand how much we carry. And it's interesting because this is one of the first thing I tell the women I work with. So as I work with women who are experiencing crisis, I tell them, you have to let go of some of the things you are carrying, some of this invisible load that we carry because we can't do it all anymore, especially when things get emotionally heavy and uh, we can't carry that load and we carry the emotional load of it as well. So we add on not only are we carrying all this other load that was already there? And now we add on this thing of, holy crap, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not happy in my marriage and have to figure all that out. And sometimes the crisis in our relationship is because we don't know who we are. Like that experience you had is just like, I don't know who I am. Or a partner decides they don't know who they are. And we got to figure that out. So thank you. It all works together. Yes, it does. <laughs> and I love that you shared, um, gave us that insight as to how, like how we've been trained to basically believe we're not doing it right. Like we're the problem and we're not, we're not. Yes. And that alone, that creates so much relief in women. Like I f- yes. see the physical relief that rushes over their body when they're like, I'm not broken. These yes. methods are, Yes, that's what I've been feeling. It's not me. And it takes us a long time to get there. But like, there is like a physical release, like even just saying that right now, like I felt my body relax. Mm. Oh, the problem is not me. I yeah. am not the problem. Sometimes I am. 
Yes. Yeah. Sometimes we are for sure. And just acknowledging that is powerful too. (laughs) Um, Okay. So give us like one tip for when we are starting a new habit or one, I'm trying to think if that's like the best place to start. You tell me, or is it more like, what is the belief we're carrying about habits? The one shift, like a powerful shift there, pick one of those two answers and maybe they go hand in hand. I don't know. Literally. We're on the same wave. As you were saying the word shift, I was writing the word shift on my yes. notepad here. So this is great. Meant to be. Yeah. So let's talk to the woman who is emotionally exhausted and overwhelmed. And yet they've hit a plateau and they know that their day-to-day life, their sleep management, the way they eat, the way they move, the way that they even manage their household or their workload needs to change in order to help with that depletion. And it's kind of like this cycle, right? Like, well, yeah. If I try to work on that, that makes me more emotionally depleted, which means like I, you know, you go, you get on that cycle. We don't want you to get into the all or nothing burnout cycle with habit formation. And we also want you to form habits that stick even with less consistency in, in your life. I'm going to talk about consistency, honestly, less rigidity is really the word of it. Mm. Like less predictability in your day to day, more interruptions and less energy. Okay. Yes, you can do it. And here's how we're going to help you start is with that word consistency. I always love to ask this question and it's how many days does it take to form a habit? What's your answer, Jess? I'm curious. Well, it's funny because I instantly think of like the things we've been told in books and I feel like it's like 21 or 27 days or some crap like that. That it's like, <laughs> That's how many days it takes to shift a habit. Mm-hmm. So I always get those three answers, 21, usually 28 and 100 days is what I get. Sometimes I get, I've gotten a thousand days. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. That feels overwhelming. (laughs) That's way too much. Okay. That's an example right there of the GM GMs, good men, great methods. They've taught that in order to form a habit, you consistently do that habit for a certain number of days. The problem with that is they, how they define consistency. Consistency in these methods is that you do the habit every day around the same time in the same way, period. So I want to exercise in the mornings. So I have more energy. So that means I'm going to go on a 30 minute walk every day for 21, 28, 100 days. And then I'll have the habit. That doesn't work when your deaf neighbor texts you about a rat problem that they're having before you start that walk. That doesn't work when you start a period. That doesn't work when you have to help with that work party tomorrow, or there's a fire drill somewhere, or you have to go change the dryer lint. (laughs) Like sometimes it's something like that where you're like something dumb that pulls you away, but it still matters. It's not dumb at the same time. So this is how I define consistency. Consistency is doing your best most of the time over time. Love that. How this plays into habit formation is a few things. One, your best is allowed to change. It's allowed to change seasonally. It's also allowed to change day to day. Okay. Most of the time is another factor here. You do not have to hit 21, 28, 100 days of perfect consistency to have a habit. Most of the time is still a habit. And I'm talking like four out of the seven days. Even if you want that habit to be daily, if you're starting with that, you are, you've got it. You've got the habit. Yeah. And then overtime is the other part, because this is another thing we don't recognize about habit formation is we often start with the ideal. Instead, we have to start with a baseline and baselines build over time. So instead of let's take that 30 minute walk example, I just gave, instead of saying, I'm going to walk 30 minutes a day. And even if that sounds totally reasonable, 
because in your head, you'll have all these other prescriptions. Like you must exercise an hour of high fitness, like five times a week. Like you have prescriptions, um, or I must do yoga, this type of yoga in this kind of studio. Like we all have those prescriptions and you're like, no, 30 minutes of walking a day is not that hard. It is. If you're not doing it. Yeah, it is. If you're not doing it consistently yet, most of the time. Okay. Yet, then that is too hard. Instead, you start with the worst of day version. And that's the form of the habit, the baseline way that you can show up on those less than ideal days. And when you've done that, even most of the time, not only do you have the habit over time, those baselines build. And the best part of this is what you started as your baselines will gradually grow too. So your worst of day version will grow over time too. A quick example I have of this is journaling. I actually hate journaling, but I love the outcome. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I didn't journal for years because of the prescriptions in my head of what counted as journaling, which was a full page of journal writing. Shouldn't be hard, right? Yeah. It is. At the end of the day, (laughs) when I'm emotionally depleted and overwhelmed. So the way I started back in journaling was my baseline was the ideally I would love to write a page a day. But my baseline was on my worst of day, what is something I can do with no energy, no willpower, which is really the same thing. Yeah. And that for me was writing one incomplete sentence. I love that. Yeah, that's it. So that was my baseline for like a year or two. And I didn't even realize this until I started kind of teaching more about habit formation. My baseline has grown. My baseline is now a small paragraph. And most of the time, my sentences are complete. (laughs) For those of you who were English majors (laughs) like me, but my baseline has grown. Mm. And because of that, giving myself that gift of a baseline, the original baseline, I not only have the habit of journaling, I also have the outcome I need of that, of feeling more supported in my life in ways that I needed through that habit. So there's the biggest shift is shift how you view consistency. Let's start there. So great. So great. And such a good starting point because we do just beat ourselves up of, oh, I can't do it at this level that I want to. And we start and then we fail and then we just give up. And it's so powerful when we can change the prescription. And I think that's such a great way of putting it, changing that prescription of it has to look this one way. And I talk about this all the time too, of like, listen, just do something. It doesn't, you have a do something list. (laughs) That's a big focus in our community. Yeah, do something, not all, not nothing. It doesn't have to be perfect, but we put so much on ourselves that keeps us from doing anything, which goes back to that perfectionism. And I think that's in all of us in some way. I am not a perfectionist, but I have to remind myself still that it doesn't have to be perfect to do it. I just need to do something, do the walk, do the whatever. And the thing we forget is too, is that all comes at a cost. And that's why I even focus on myself. I try not to do all like almost with and I still have ideals of things that I reach for, but my ideals are now reachable ideals. They're not like I'm going to run an Ironman every other month as my goal for exercise, or I'm going to write three pages. You know, it's, it's more realistic ideals that still give me the benefit I need because all comes at a cost. And one of those biggest costs is just your energy. And that's why we burn out on our habits so quickly and then blame ourselves because we think we're supposed to have that unrealistic ideal as the, the standard when it comes at a cost and what are you paying? Are you paying like your emotional health is the cost? Your relationships is the cost money. Like it could literally be money. What cost are you paying for that all? Yeah. 
And I think too, when you do that, like when you change the baseline or like bring it down to where it's actually doable, you create that proof in yourself. Then you start feeling like, oh my gosh, I am doing so good and I'm doing it this level. And then we do naturally want more and we naturally can raise that just a little bit and still feel good. Like when we hit the baseline, it's like, oh, today's baseline day. That's okay. I still did it. I did something and feel good. So, so much power. That's a huge thing there. Jess, you just pointed out is when we keep failing, we, we take on this identity of a failure, especially with habits. Like I'm not a habit person. And that's a big part of how I teach habits differently. It's identity is a huge piece to it. And when you're forming a habit, a new one, every time you hit that baseline, I have my students say, that's like me. I did it. I did it. This is who I am. I am a person who journals, meditates, exercise, takes a deep breath before I yell at my kids, whatever it may be. That's, that's the habit I have. I'm that person. Yeah. It's just creating that identity of who we are, of who we, you know, recognizing, oh, this is the person that I am. I am capable. I can do this and I'm going to mess up some days. And you know what? It's great. It's okay. (laughs) You're already living it out. That's, that's awesome. (laughs) Monica, thank you so much. You have so much more to share and to give. And so right now I wanted to let people know what you have available to them. I know you have the sticky habits method. Is that the name of it? I want to make sure I got that right. I usually say it's singular, but it's funny in the bonus module where it's bad habit university, I always interchange habit and habit. So it doesn't matter. We go for okay, whatever. Yes. Sticky habit method. Tell us a little bit about that and we'll let people know where they can go to get that. The sticky habit method is the answer for women who are realizing that they are failing at habits because the methods are not designed for them. Sticky habit method is designed for women who carry the majority of invisible labor in their lives, in their home. So we're going to do a 20% off for your community. So we're going to use the code JESS, J-E-S-S, all caps, all of July. Um, And they can get 20% off by going to the link in your show notes, notes. I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd love to have them there. It'd be great. Awesome. It is such a cool program, you guys. And it really will. I feel like it's for wherever stage you are at, wherever, if you are like feeling like you're crushing your habits and you want more, this is a great place to go. If you feel like I am so emotionally drained and I know I need to pivot and do something, but everything feels overwhelming, this is going to be the place to go. It's going to give you that grace with yourself to recognize you're doing okay. You're good where you are. But if you are reaching for a little bit different, you want to shift something, Monica's going to help get you there. Yeah. I say, especially for the women who are like, this sounds like you're just kind of taking a lazy way out. And it truly isn't. If you want habits to stick, this is the way you do it. Whether you are already having some stable habits and you want more or you're starting from square one, it's for you. So beautiful. Thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you for being here and supporting this community and creating the community that you have. I have loved watching you over, I say, the last three or four years. I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun to uh, to actually get to talk to you. I mean, it's not in person, but I feel like it's more in person than anything else. So <laughs> one day we'll do in person, which would be fabulous. I was just thinking, I yeah. don't think we've ever met in real life, have we? I know. It's so weird when you have online friends and you're like, what? We haven't met? This this is absurd, but we'll get there. And and thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the time and space. I know how important it is to to share your community to people who actually match. And I hope that I, I help somehow today. I'm sure you are. Thank you so much for being here. 
Okay, my friend, if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to head to our show notes to connect with Monica. You can find her on her podcast or on Instagram at About Progress. And you will definitely want to keep learning and growing with her. And if you are like, I need more now, which if you're like me, you are. I was just screaming during this episode. I was like, yes, I feel so seen and understood and loved and supported. And so if you are wanting more now, hit the link in the show notes that will take you to Monica's Sticky Habits course and workshop and all of the good stuff there. Go check it out. And Monica has so graciously today given you 20% off. So if you see this in the month of July, 2023, you can get 20% off Monica's programs with code Jess. That is correct. Jess, J-E-S-S. Go pick it up today. I hope you have a fabulous week and we will be back here with another amazing guest next week.